Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 116 of A Yank on the Footy. I am Craig Wessels from Sandusky, Ohio, and I am thrilled that you're listening. While I conducted this discussion last weekend, I'm recording the intro and the closing on Saturday evening. And I wanted to take a moment before I dive into the episode and share my thoughts and prayers with the citizens in the state of Kentucky here in the United States, as well as several other states, including Arkansas, Illinois, and I believe Missouri as well. We had a devastating series of tornadoes uh, last night with some really severe weather here in the U.S., and one tornado managed to stay on the ground for over 360 kilometers and has just done untold damage in the state of Kentucky. And the death toll right now is estimated to be around 70 and it's expected to climb significantly higher than that. So I, I want to pass along my condolences to, the, to those lost in Kentucky. And if you are somebody who is here in the U.S. and you're thinking about wanting to help out and what can you do, well, I'm going to be putting a link in the show notes that has links to several different organizations that are working on trying to provide relief to these uh, individuals and these families and such in the state of Kentucky. So hopefully you'll consider taking a look at that and helping them out. Now, today's club of the episode is the Penley and Essendon Grammar School, or PEGS Football Club. And they happen to play their footy in Keeler Park in the Melbourne suburbs. I believe that's in the Essendon area. And this is a club that is uh, one that my guest for this episode is very closely associated with, so I thought this would be a natural choice for the club of the episode. Now, my guest this week reminds me very much like a previous guest that I had on the show, and this is uh, my friend Orville Gibson, who I had on for a couple of episodes during a discussion that we had a few months back, and uh, Orville is, well, the best way I can describe it is he's a hero, and I believe my guest today is also a hero, but a different type of hero. Orville, he was a hero during his time in the military, and how he goes about continuing to pay tribute to one of Australia's lost heroes as well. But my guest this week, a gentleman by the name of Michael Gallus, is a whole different type of hero. You know, I've I've not met Michael before. The first time that I spoke to him was during this interview. And I have to tell you that he came across, and and I truly believe that he is, and those of you who know him will probably confirm this, he's one of the most selfless and one of the most upbeat people I have ever had the pleasure of talking with. Now, I came across one of his posts on his social media sites talking about a and regarding a coaching job that he is involved with, which we will be talking about in this episode. But as I began to research him a little bit further and wanted to learn a little bit more about him, I realized that he's exactly what I described him as at the outset of our interview, and that is a sport renaissance man. And, and I, I truly believe that. And that's not a term that I've, I've used before. I, as I was jotting down my, my questions and such that I was going to be asking him, that, that phrase just popped into my head because he's done so many unique things involved with sport. And I, and I, I think you're going to truly appreciate the efforts of this gentleman. 
So I hope you'll sit back and I hope you'll enjoy my chat with Michael Gallus. Enjoy, ladies and gentlemen. My guest today is what I think qualifies as an international sport renaissance man. He's a teacher. He's been an AFL recruiter, a radio commentator, a philanthropist, a coach, and is very likely the Texas A&M Aggies' biggest supporter in the Southern Hemisphere. I am thrilled to welcome Michael Gallus to the podcast. Welcome aboard, Michael. So glad to be able to have you here this morning. G'day, mate, and uh, great to be here. Yeah, I, I, I use that, that term, Renaissance man, and I, and I thought that it, it really worked here because you have done so many things and you have, have had such a diverse career in sport not only in Australia, but literally around the world. And I, I want to dig into some of those things today. And uh, yeah, I think it really applies. And have you ever thought about yourself as kind of being a Renaissance man? No, no, I haven't, Craig, but uh, I'm uh, very humbled for you to describe me in that way. That's for sure. Well, I, I think I think it's a richly deserved uh, um, moniker that I just applied to you there. And hopefully some other people pick up on that there. And, you know, we'll, you know, we'll, uh, That'll, that'll pay off for you down the road. And as I'm talking to Michael, I, he does have his, uh, his polo shirt from uh, the club that he is now coaching, which we're going to get into here in just a few minutes. But it's a, it's a really unique story, and I can't wait to share this with you. But before we dive into that, you established an organization back in, I believe, 2012, if I did the math correctly, uh, called Footies for All. Can you tell us about that organization and what you, what your goals are and what you've done? Yeah, well, it um, sort of had a midlife crisis, Craig, and most people uh, trade the wife in for a younger version or get a red Ferrari. But I, uh, <laughs> I just started. I decided to uh, start a charity um, called Footies for All and uh, give kids opportunities through through sport that they're not able to. I've, I've been blessed to be a school teacher for 26 years and uh, um, been involved in community coaching of uh, all sports, football, cricket, basketball, uh, soccer, and, uh, and was privileged to, uh, to teach in one of the best schools in, uh, in Victoria, Melbourne, Australia, and saw the opportunities that kids got through sport. And uh, when I turned 40, I... You know, I've got three kids of my own and a, a beautiful wife, and I've, I think that I've done uh, I've done a good job with my teaching. But I wanted to really make an impact on kids that uh, um, were missing out. And I thought, well, the greatest impact that I've seen is the power of sport. And Nelson Mandela said, "Sport speaks to youth in a language that they understand," and um, and he was 100% right. And um, so I thought, well, I've been very blessed through teaching. I did AFL commentating here in Melbourne for a few years. I also was able, lucky enough, to work in recruiting with the Brisbane Lions for a couple of years. I uh, worked with the National Indigenous Radio Service with commentating AFL. So I had this huge network of people. And I thought, well, why don't we link all those people up together and let's get some sporting programs out to kids that uh, are unable to engage in sport. And I thought, well... The best thing about sport is playing with the ball. Mm -hmm. And um, there's so many programs out there, but there was not one program that left the kids with a ball at the end of their sporting clinics around Australia or across the world that I've seen. So I um, decided to, uh, when I turned 40, put all those uh, people together and um, and um, start, a, start a children's sporting organisation that ran sporting clinics and then um, gave balls out to kids. We're, we're nearly up to our 10-year mark, as you said, 
and we've given out over 26,000 new balls to kids around Australia and uh, excitingly across the world in Pakistan and also in uh, in Fiji and also in Africa as well. We've got uh, we've got programs running and totally volunteer, Craig. Every cent that got donated, it has been donated to Footage for All, goes straight back into the charity and goes straight out to the kids. And there's not too many charities uh, around the world that uh, operate in that way and been lucky enough to operate That's for 10 fantastic. years to get that done. That is absolutely fantastic, and it, it's such a noble cause. And and I that's and that is just really it, it. As a teacher myself, and I've been doing it right around the same amount of years as you have, the same number of years. I'm I'm I I can't I can't applaud you more than than I am by you know by trying to share your story here now. And we're going to certainly dig into footies for all here again. But you mentioned as far as the radio commentator, were you working with uh, the NIRS? I was, yes. Okay, because I and, and I know that because what generally speaking, what you know, I I have the watch AFL app to watch the games live, but sometimes I do like to tune in and listen to the games on the radio through the uh, the the app on the AFL website, and yep. I do enjoy listening to the commentators on an IRS. And there's actually a gentleman who I talk to all the time online who lives up in uh, Queensland who I interviewed for the podcast who turned me on to listening to Nears because he thought that it was just a really great way that they go about broadcasting the, uh, the game. So, and I've sent, I've sent messages in to, to Nears before during the course of games going on and have had them, you know, mentioned on the game. So it's kind of cool that you, that you've worked with them. So that that's great. That's yeah. Great, great. organization. Yeah. Great organization. And again, a, a very unique organization, Barry Denner, one of their uh, commentators gave me an opportunity to, uh, come on as a stats man and work my way into commentating. And, and they deliver the AFL game into remote Aboriginal communities all mm-hmm. over Australia. And that linked in so well in relation to uh, what Footies for All Charity does because we've gone to so many of those remote communities and been blessed to, uh, to be accepted into those communities to run sporting clinics and give balls out to the kids. Um, and, uh, and I have no doubt that they love the game of AFL footy thanks to NIRS. Yeah, it is. It's it's a it's a great service. I, I I love listening to them when I when I do turn tune in on the radio. It, it's it's just a lot of fun to to hear. You know, not necessarily the big corporate broadcast, if you will. Okay, you know, I'm not I'm not getting the uh, the ad from Tire Power or um, <laughs> or some of the other um, some of the other places that I you know the 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 Bunnings Warehouse ads not necessarily popping up that sort of thing. Um, so. You said that you've you've distributed balls throughout Australia, but then also Pakistan, which is going to lead us into it's kind of we're going to drop drop a breadcrumb here because that's where we're going to be going in a moment. But you know, I did see an article that I'm going to post in the show notes that you were also in Africa on the continent of Africa as well, and you were and it wasn't necessarily footies, but it was it was soccer balls, if you will, as as we call them here in the U.S. Yeah, amazing story, that one. Uh, we were just contacted through Facebook. Uh, Daniel Marley is his name in Africa. And um, he asked for some soccer balls to be sent over. So we sent over a, a couple of soccer balls. And then he, uh, he sent back. And he, he sent back a video showing that one soccer ball with uh, 100 kids in one school. And he said they actually share that soccer ball across three or four schools. And I thought, well, you, you've got it. We've got to do better than that. So um, <laughs> <Right>. I contacted... <laughs> I contacted him and said, look, uh, can we send you over some uh, 
soccer ball, some you know, a box of soccer balls, and he uh-huh. was just so just so joyous. And then from that, he said he also had a he also had girls wanting to play netball. So we we organised some uh, some um, fundraising, and we got a couple of boxes of soccer balls and netballs and sent them over. And uh, from that, uh, before COVID, he'd started the Michael Gallus Cup, where he organised fifteen schools from around the area to. Uh, to play soccer and netball, and and the great thing, like like here in Australia, and I'm sure in America, um, they have scouts from the others, the other schools. And uh-huh. uh, the best thing about this uh, this program was that um, the best soccer kids and netball kids were given opportunities through scholarships into other schools. And and as you know, as a teacher, education is the key. And you mm-hmm. look at these. Uh, countries such as Africa and uh, Fiji and Pakistan that I've been lucky enough to uh, and blessed enough to visit, that uh, if we can improve education, then we can give these kids a, a pathway to, uh, you know, a really uh, successful life. And if we can do that through sport as well, if that can be the hook to bring them into education, and that's what I've found as we've travelled around uh, Australia, especially in the remote Aboriginal communities, all our activities that we do is through schools. So the kids have to attend the school to uh, um, come into the clinic and then through the clinic they get the opportunity to take home a, a, a football, a soccer ball, a basketball or a netball to um, so that they can engage in their own community. Okay, okay. So how does it feel to have a championship game named after yourself? <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty surreal. It's pretty surreal, Craig. So, uh, uh, you know, it's just a great honour and, and a blessing. And, and again, it's the impact that, uh, and it's not just me. I mean, the footage for all only works because we've got thousands of people and you're one of them now, Craig, which we appreciate of, who support um, the idea of using sport to uh, change kids' lives one ball at a time. And um, I've just seen so blessed across Australia and around the world to have such amazing support um, in relation. I'm just the person up the top and the face of it all, but without thousands and thousands of volunteers again behind, I just Mm -hmm. got a whole box of um, um, everything, um, clothing, um, school supplies, sporting materials to, uh, to send across to Fiji, just out of the blue, a lady said, and uh, included the postage. The postage is the hardest thing, as you would understand. Right, that makes, I, I have ordered a few things from Australia. I I understand very well how the postage works. Yes, it is can be pricey. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and and we're blessed. We're blessed in Australia. TNT, mm-hmm. which has just been taken over by FedEx, have done for ten years without one single bit of. Uh, acknowledgement they've uh, they've been um distributing our balls across australia um and to some of the most remote areas you've ever heard of as well it's not just going okay. to melbourne sydney or brisbane and right, uh, right. you know i've been very blessed and and ross faulkner who makes our footballs as well he's donated over um fifty thousand dollars worth of product for us over wow. that time and wow. and um and really supports everything we do and i've just yeah we've been blessed with amazing people like yourself that understand the power of sport and uh, give us that opportunity. And it was through through that that led me to AFL in Pakistan and just an extraordinary story, totally extraordinary that in the AFL run, the International Cup, which I'm sure a lot of your listeners will be well aware of, America bring down two teams uh, mm-hmm. every year with male and female and the game is absolutely thriving in America, as you well know. It, it and, uh, is, it is, yes. I, I talked to a lot of people involved with the USAFL, yeah. And so 
you're at you 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 kind of led us to where we're heading there next you know the shirt that he's wearing right now has the on his left sleeve the australian flag and on the right sleeve the pakistani flag and you are the senior coach if i'm not mistaken for the women's national team in pakistan i have to ask because you know people are going to be tuning into this and ask how did that happen how did you know how did you end up being involved with that and i think it probably relates to what we just talked about but it's it has to be a really interesting story as to how this developed yeah so in 2014 we had the international cup in melbourne and through footies for all um i was asked to supply the the pakistan uh, men's team they didn't have a women's team back then um um, just to help out. So they had no footies for training or water bottles. So I went down and met the guys and um, donated that and, and just stayed in contact. I thought it was a great story that, uh, uh, you know, it's a country that's not well known for obviously AFL um, and stayed in touch with everyone. And then in 2017, um, they rang me up about the week before the International Cup um, um, cash if uh, from um, the Shaheens and Dr. Sarid Aras asking me uh, their coach didn't make the trip <laughs> so from Pakistan oh. for the International Cup. Something happened with the, uh, with the visa and he didn't make the plane and they had the women's uh, team about to arrive without a coach and would, would I like to do it? I said, oh, what an opportunity. What an amazing opportunity, of course. So, um, um, so the, then, then I was uh, given that opportunity to coach them they arrived. Now, we had a, a slight problem because we only had three of them that spoke English out of the 25. I was gonna, I'm, just, I'm just shouting <laughs> down language differences here. Yes, you, you beat me to the question there. That had, so the, <laughs> how does so, that work? With, you know, because I, I'm, I'm guessing, and it's Farsi, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Uh, Urdu, Urdu. Urdu. You know what? You know what? I should have known that because I've actually had several students that were from Pakistan that, that did speak Urdu. And I remember... I would I would type up exams and then I would put them into a translator to translate them into Urdu, not really having any idea that what was coming out of the translator was what I was actually trying to ask them, not <laughs> hoping that it was something <laughs> close to it. OK, so, yes, yeah, so there's they're how are you? Were your Urdu skills non-existent at this point? Yeah, that's correct. So okay. I, picked up pretty, I picked up a few uh, quick Shaba Shaba which I uh, think is good, but you're only supposed to say it once. But I was saying, I, I was very happy. So I was saying Shaba Shaba, two of them. Um, <laughs> and um, I learned Zorze, which is strong. So I was telling them Zorze kick, Zorze kick. So, uh, yeah, it was, uh, okay. it was great to, uh, it was great to, uh, and again, that's what sport does, Craig, isn't it? It's cross-cultural. Mm -hmm. it, uh, it gave me the opportunity to learn their language. And um, oh, the poor girls, seriously, that uh, they literally got off the plane Friday night. We had a one hour, well, not one hour, they rolled, supposed to have a one hour training session and um, they were running late with everything that was going on, no surprise. So we had like a 15 minute training session. Most of them thought they were actually playing soccer because they heard the word football. And uh -huh. um, <laughs> when I pulled out, yeah, when we pulled out the AFL Sharon, they right, were, right. Uh, <laughs> certainly very confused. And then the selectors came up to me. There was 30 of them. They said, you've got to pick a squad of 22. And I said, well, I don't even know their names. Nevertheless, uh, who can play and who can't. And, right, and right. they don't even know who, who this strange, crazy Aussie is yelling at mm -hmm. them to run and yes, kick and yes. <laughs> Well, and, 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 and just from, you know, thinking about it from a cultural standpoint, 
you know that that that, you, that they are in many ways unaccompanied females and you know you being i mean there had to be some apprehension there um whether whether it was whether it was something that was observable or not there had to be some maybe tension is not the right word but just some can maybe can some concern on their part did they have chaperones that had traveled with them uh yeah they had a, they had uh, they had a couple but also again we were blessed with the shaheen's group here in melbourne okay. um that were um that were facilitating their uh, their trip okay. so i had translators obviously and good i deal. had uh, good deal i had had advisors in relation to that and, yeah yeah, you're exactly right. They're coming. Yeah, yes, you're not wrong. Java, Java. I was, um, yeah. So it was a steep learning. I hadn't met anyone from Pakistan before 2014 mm-hmm. when I just distributed some equipment. Mm-hmm. I've never worked with them, and uh, you know, obviously, it's a very strict Muslim culture, and uh, which I I was blessed again to learn about. Um, and uh, get the opportunity to uh, understand what uh, yeah what I needed to do properly as well to make sure that they were comfortable as well. But their enthusiasm, their passion, um, and their uh, their spirit and determination, and resilience and courage. The courage just to get on the plane, Craig. Most of these people hadn't been out of their village, nevertheless got on That's the a plane. That's a great point. That's and, a great and, point. And come to Australia. Now, how many people would do that in the reverse to go to their country and? And I promised them after I, I saw them and was involved with them for that three-week period that, that one day I'd go to Pakistan to mm-hmm. rep- repay their courage and faith in, uh, in our great game and our great country. And, uh, again, was blessed to have that opportunity uh, in 2019 to spend um, 10 days and literally went across the whole country okay. through um, Chaudhry Ali and Sadat Tariq, the AFL Pakistan um, um, uh, organisers, and uh, and through that trip, we've been able to grow the game across the whole uh, the whole country. And they've they've got a national championship of both men and uh, women coming up in December. Okay. And um, I'm planning to go back uh, this time next year as well. Now, are you still going to be involved in helping to coach these clubs, or is that was that kind of a one time thing then with you? No, no, still yeah, still the okay. national coach, also the assistant coach of the men's. So I've got a meeting with AFL. Uh, here in Melbourne uh, next week, Simon Highfield and AFL Asia have been outstanding in their promotion and support of AFL Pakistan. And the, the thing that differs in a lot of uh, countries, there's no expats running it. It's run by all native uh, okay. Pakistani in Pakistan. They've well, picked I, up the game. They're running it themselves. It's right, extraordinary. Right. I mean, yeah, you, you, I, I, that kind of makes sense because, you know, I don't, yeah, I don't think that there's, you know, a lot of expats that are in other parts of the world, whether it be them playing in say Singapore or Japan, uh, a lot of them have gone there for, you know, technical or industrial jobs, things of that nature that, that may not necessarily be happening in Pakistan. So that, that makes sense that there's probably not a great deal of expats there that would be doing that. That's, that's, that's a good point. So, so you're, you're going to be heading back hopefully next year. Now, do you keep in touch with the, the the players now? Are you able to do that, you know, like through Zoom or through Skype or something like that, where you're able to, you know, do you coach them like long distance? Yeah, still, it's still, um, still, um, Charger, still um, working on um, um, a lot of it still, obviously, you're starting from the ground level. So mm-hmm. it's working with AFL Pakistan administration to, uh, 
to help them set up. Like, I mean, when I was over there, I had to coach the umpires. So you can't have a game without umpires. Right, All the right. work that they'd been doing over there, that they'd been doing, um, they'd been doing by uh, by themselves through YouTube. So, uh-huh. yeah, um, so that yeah, was so you're learning. Yeah, you're really learning to do. Yeah, you could you could do it. You could do it. A, a, a footy TED talk for them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you, that's yeah. right. That's right. That's right. and that's what that's what you had to do when you're over there, right. as well as trying to um, upskill the skills and. Uh, um, but their their management, like the grounds that I went to in Pakistan, because obviously cricket is huge. So right, the right. easy thing with the easy thing that you don't have, the grounds are already there. They just yes, have to put up sense. the That makes sense. End. That that and, makes um, a lot of and sense. Their, and their markings of the ground were so precise; they knew exactly what they needed to do, mm-hmm. um, and they were able to put it all together. Um, and then. Um, then I obviously had to coach coaches, which I did when I was there, so that they could go back and when I was gone to organise teams and skills and uh, and get that together, which they've done. They've got 52 teams now across the whole of Pakistan ready to go, which is extraordinary. So, 50, 52 um, teams. That's that's uh, that's roughly the same number of teams that we have here in the U.S. I mean, now in terms of like different like cities and that sort of thing, because some of the some of the some of them will have like a men's and a women's side, uh, but you know, some of them, some of them end up playing mixed. So, no, and, you're exactly, you're yeah. exactly right. And one of the links that's that I, across. Go ahead. And that's across. You know, we're talking. Uh, I, I was lucky enough to fly into uh, Karachi and then uh, go up the middle into uh, Multan, across Lahore, and then up to Islamabad. Um, through those 10 days, you're on the road running 20-hour days, mm-hmm. um, visiting people, um, um, having, you know, you're, you're meeting uh, local officials. One bakery I went into, and I was pretty much the only Western tourist in uh, Pakistan at that time because it's still, it's just starting to open up now in relation to their sporting events because of security concerns. Right, right. But I was safe the whole time. I, I went into a bakery in a rural town. It was like I was Brad Pitt. They'd never seen a white fella in there, and uh, especially well, a crazy Aussie carrying no. around a, uh, a football. And do I was you, absolutely mobbed, taking photos and autographs. Oh, it was extraordinary. Do, do you follow the NFL at all? I certainly do. Yeah, a lot of okay. Aussie punters. Okay. You talked about Texas AM. Well, you, you were mentioning you were mentioning uh, you know you, everybody thought you were Brad Pitt. I, I honestly th- I'm, I've been a lifelong Cleveland Browns fan. I think you look like Joe Thomas, who used to be one of our offensive tackles. Okay, who's going to be a Hall of Famer in a couple of years here? I think you look like Joe Thomas, if if you ask me. Uh, <laughs> I'll take that, Craig. I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> but so how did they? When they arrived here, or when they arrived in Australia to play in the the international cup, was was this really their first opportunity to actually be playing the game itself? Yeah, hundred percent. Okay, so they so they they, so they they when you said that they they thought they were going to be playing soccer because they'd heard the word football, they so they were like, wait a minute, this this doesn't look like anything we've done before. Yes, I'm pretty confused. You're right, Craig. So the versions, (laughs) the versions they were um, training and playing with in Pakistan. Again, great credit to the the AFL Pakistan over there Uh that they even got it off the ground. But the version they were playing was very different than the first game against England. I can tell you, Great Britain. I can tell you. And and I'm I'm guessing that 
did not go very well. (laughs) (laughs) I think the final score was 183 to zero. And at quarter time, we had, uh, you know, half the girls were in tears because they'd just been absolutely smashed every time we went near the ball. And Pakistani women are, are, you know, short of stature, big of hearts, big Uh of heart and courage, but short of stature (laughs) compared to Great Britain, uh, AFL, well-trained, well-drilled. Um, well, but well, and, I mean, and, and how many of the players on the on the the British squad were Australian expats who had you know, yeah, maybe they, played they, the game growing up? He probably had some people who had done that. Yeah, correct. And yeah. and they'd been well drilled and they, right, they right. trained regularly, played regularly. And the, this was first first ever official AFL game for the Pakistani women. Wow. And as I said, a quarter time they were just shell shocked and uh, dumbstruck and you know um, scared. And, and I had to rally them. And again, to their credit, they never gave up. They uh-huh. never asked me to take them off the ground. And just to explain that once you put on your jersey for your country, that gives you that shield, that gives you that strength, that uh-huh. gives you that resilience. And they, they took all that on board. And uh, every single game, every single minute, they had a red-hot crack and did their best. And they just thrived representing their country because this was the only opportunity they were going to get that sport in Pakistan obviously for women is difficult right um, right and um, and AFL gave them that opportunity to be with women again mm-hmm. in a foreign country playing a sport they didn't know much about but they should they love it they absolutely love so, it so after the first game was played after you played the first game against against Great Britain I know that you had said that they had told you you had to select 22 players did they come to you and say Nah, go ahead and play with all 30. Just mix and match however you need to. <laughs> oh, I, wish, I wish they had them. I tell you, we, we might have had a chance if we had you might, 30 you might have found, you know, you might have found, you know, the other the other eight might have been, you know, might have been your 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 A-listers that you just didn't know about yet. <laughs> so did did during that did you played more than that one game, correct? Because because that's yeah, that we had like, um pool game, yeah. That's like an awful Go ahead. We played Canada, uh, Papua New Guinea, and Fiji. Okay. Did they did they get a chance? Did they score at all during the the rest of the tournament? Oh, and yeah, and the last game was against the combined world team, and they were the bottom of their pool, like we were. They crossed over. It was like our grand final. Okay. And uh, yeah, we were lucky enough. We scored one goal. One Good goal. Good deal. At, Good uh, deal right down at the end it was like we won the grand final you said everyone ran together and the world team came and celebrated with them as well and we were probably the favorite team of the competition because at the end of every game they the girls would get together and sing and dance in the mm-hmm. um in their native urdu in the middle of the ground and we're just again it's just so appreciative and uh, uh excited to represent their country and uh, every team uh, couldn't believe the spirit of our team. We'd get beat by 180 points, but it was like we'd won by 180 because yeah. of their uh, unbelievable resilience and uh, excitement levels. Well, and and do you think part of that was simply because they were being given the opportunity to do something that that culturally had been frowned upon for so long? Yeah, there's there's certainly sport for the elite level and the the privileged in mm-hmm. uh, Pakistan with women, but it, it is difficult for the you know the working the every, class and the right. normal the normal people 
to mm-hmm. gain those opportunities. And uh, a lot of these girls came from villages and, and came from remote areas. A lot came from elite sport. Like we had elite Pakistan representative soccer players, um, Abia uh, Haydar and also Karishma Ali, um, who who had represented their country. But a lot of them, yeah, had no um, had no sporting prowess okay. whatsoever. And okay. uh, I'm not sure how they ended up on the team, Greg, but uh, uh, when they gained their <laughs> they, opportunity. They, they, they can afford they the plane ticket, a- right? so and then and now obviously for the world cup in 2023 mm-hmm. the, the afl pakistan certainly learned from that and uh now we're developing you know um players that uh, that have sporting ability plus um you know they put programs in place uh through my visit in 2017 to um to develop the skills of the game as well it'll be right. a lot more professional and a lot more uh talented the next teams that they bring out so you're you're saying we should we should go ahead and and, and bet to, for them to cover the point spread i wouldn't get that excited okay. so, <laughs> hoping to uh score a few more game goals per game <laughs> yeah that's yeah so so you, you know it it just it's it's fascinating that, that you've been involved with that because I did see an article that uh, that Pakistan has its just recently got its first level two footy coach as well. Um, that's working with the men's group. Yeah, it's extraordinary. He played in. He came out and played in 2017. I know him well, okay. and um, he's been involved in uh, in coaching in uh, in Islamabad, the Islamabad Tigers. And um, yeah, it's a great credit to him to uh, have done all that remotely. And, and again, great support from AFL Asia and Simon Highfield at AFL headquarters to support this. And, and that's what they're doing. Uh, I think the level one, there's something like 30, 35 level one AFL credit coaches across Pakistan. So again, you've got to develop the coaches and the umpires so then they can develop the players mm-hmm. and then they can develop the game. Okay. Now, you know, with the, the information that you shared with me early on there, you know, you, you said that you had worked as a recruiter for the Brisbane Lions. What, what does that type of a, a job, cons- what does that consist of? What were, you, what were you doing in that role? Yeah, so I was involved uh, um, um, in Melbourne, a Melbourne-based recruiter, so part-time. So I would go to, I'd probably go, I'd watch a game on most... Oh, we had TAC Cup, which is the under-18 elite competition, which leads into the AFL. We also had the VFL, the Victorian Football League, mm-hmm. which won tier below. So I would, and also we had uh, private school, uh, AGSV and APS that uh, run football competitions. So I'd go and watch one, two, three, four, five games of AFL a weekend across all those competitions. And then um, we would sit down at the start of the year as the Brisbane Lions recruiting team. There's about five of us. Um, Graham Hadley, a great man, was uh, his, his son Richard played in the premiership with uh, Brisbane Lions, was, was my boss at the time. And um, we'd identify the top five or six players per team in the, um, in the TAC Cup under 18 competition, as it was known okay. back then. And then I was, given, I was given the opportunity to go and watch all VFL games and identify players that I thought that uh, could play AFL. And then we would write a report. We would take notes at every game. You'd have to write a report. And you'd break down the players into all the different things. So, so kicking, handball, endurance, 
uh, hardball gets, loose ball gets, um, strategic, um, you know, intelligence. And then you try and meet the player to gain an understanding of uh, what they were like as a person as well. You go into their school reports. Uh, you talk to their coaches at the different levels as well to ascertain could they, uh, even if they had the skills and the fitness, did they have the attitude to uh, become an AFL player? Fantastic. And that's, that experience of over two years has given me the information and the opportunity to develop. You know, I coach at, uh, at a school level. I coach at a community level. Okay. To pass that on to the kids, especially the elite kids, um, to gain the opportunity for them to, uh, if they want to make it, this is what you have to do and this is how hard you have to work and this is what you need to work on. Okay. Did you, uh, did you find anybody that found their way onto the Lions list? Um, we, I found a lot of players that got drafted, but okay. again, with the AFL right. draft, you only right. get a certain amount, right. Of, um, right. you only get a certain, certain amount of picks yeah. and, um, they didn't pick up, they didn't pick up the players I picked up. A lot of, a lot of other players were, uh, were picked up and, uh, yeah, it was exciting to Good see, deal. um, and it showed that it, I knew what I was doing too, mm -hmm. which was the most exciting thing that you could dominate, identify those players um, through what I'd seen. And um, they went on to um, Paul Seedsman. He went to Collingwood and he's currently at the Adelaide Crows was one. Um, Callum Sinclair, big ruckman. At, he's currently at Sydney. Uh, he was another one. Uh, Ahmed Saad, he had a fantastic career at, uh, at St Kilda. Um, and again, it comes down to like you, Craig, when you watch... Uh, NFL or uh, baseball or basketball, the best player is usually the one that uh, that can go on. And that, mm -hmm. uh, most of the time, they just haven't been given that opportunity if they're playing at the second tier level. Um, and it was exciting at the under 18 level to identify, even though they might have been the best player, you watched, uh, there was a Dyson Heppel was a standout. He's at uh, the current Essendon captain. Right, right. And um, Brisbane Lions just missed out on picking him up. And we were lucky. And I was and just lucky enough to watch these elite kids too and see the development that they um, have gone through now playing AFL. And that, that, was, a, that was a great sort of way that uh, gave me the confidence that Nick Constantino is the, the punter at Texas AM at the moment, the first non-Texan to actually uh, come in. <laughs> to that role and um, to actually be smashing it, I could see through what he could do that mm -hmm. um, if he got an opportunity in your system that the cross-coding would transfer because all he had to do was learn the technique with some hang time and distance mm -hmm. and uh, he had all the other attributes. He worked hard, he was athletic, he was intelligent, he listened to his coaches and, uh, and that's what gave me the confidence to take him down at Nathan Chapman's pro kick uh, um, training school with John Smith and right. uh, give him that opportunity. And yeah. uh, I have no doubt he'll be picked up NFL punter, you know, probably the end of next year. Yeah. I had, I had uh, Nathan Chapman on the podcast uh, back in 2020. Yeah. It was great to talk with him. Um, just, you know, really, as he said, you know, we were pretty, he said, you'll pretty much have every, you know, we'll pretty much have every spot in college football pretty soon uh, with, with the exception of probably three. Probably, you know, the, the Air Force Academy, the Naval Academy and West Point, the Army, the Military Academy. Those will probably be American punters, but the other ones will probably all be the Australian ones here pretty soon. So that's that. Is that where your affinity for Texas A&M has come from then? The young man that's there yeah, now? Yeah, 100%. Okay. Yeah, I had, okay. No, I had no idea. No idea, Craig. And uh, um, But I, I took Nick. I, Nick 
Nick Constantino, he kicked a goal from the centre circle, one of our AFL grounds, with playing with my son Tommy Gallus for uh, Pegs FC. And uh, went through post-eye and, you know, most kids can't kick it. That would have been 65, 65 metres out and it went through mm-hmm. post-eye. Our posts are probably, I don't know, what, 20, 30 metres tall. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I was talking to his dad at the, at the under-19s grand final, which uh, Tommy and, my, and Nick played in. And um, I said, he, sh- he should have a crack. Like, he wasn't going to play AFL. He could have played AFL, but he, again, the... They, they typecast different players and other players don't get that opportunity. He wasn't super fit. He was a great mark, a long kick, but it mm-hmm. uh, couldn't run out the games as well as they might have thought. And I said to his dad, what about having a crack at um, NFL punting um, and uh, getting a crack in the college system? He said, uh, yeah, I've mentioned it to Nick. Um, why don't you mention it to him? So, you know, what they're like with their, uh, with their parents. I yeah, said, yeah. yeah, and I knew Nick well. I'd taught Nick and I'd coached Nick in cricket. And um, um, I said to Nick, oh, I want you to come down with me to Nathan Chat. I knew Nathan, obviously, and the program that he ran. Another kid, Jordan Berry, who's one of the NFL punters. He, he came through the, the same junior. Yeah, he came yeah. through the same junior program. Nick and uh, my son played in an Aberfeldy football club and um, was doing very well. And uh, so I took Nick down with, uh, with Nathan for his first session. There were kids training there for three months and Nick had a better hang time and a better uh, length of kick in his first kick, Craig, in wow. his first kick. Wow. And, uh, and, and, and Nathan gets all these people ringing him because I rang Nathan. I said, this kid's a superstar. He's got a great left foot. He's going to smash it. And Nathan, yeah, well, I've heard that every time anyone <laughs> comes down, Michael, but uh, bring him down. We'll have a look. And then he came up to me at the end. He said, you were 100% right, Mick. And uh, these kids can, uh, if he sticks at it and trains, he'll, uh, he'll go very well. And John, John Smith obviously knows all the colleges and all the uh, coaches. And he said mm-hmm. to me, uh, and I said to him, you're not taking him over there unless you're putting him in a great system and a, a great college and a great coach. And uh, he, eventually after he's done his training, uh, John contacted me, he said, we've got the place for him and the coach for him. And uh, yeah, he's, he's in an amazing system. And Jimbo Fisher, just an amazing man. Forget about the coaching. You want a, a positive mentor in front of those kids and can't get better than Jimbo Fisher. You're, you're, next time you speak to him, and I hope you get the chance to do that, you're going to have to ask him how he feels about the word howdy. I, I asked that because I asked that only because when my son was uh, my son is an officer in the Navy and he he had earned a scholarship to go through uh, officer training through the Navy and he then went out to the different schools that had the Navy programs to decide where he wanted to go to school and he went and visited Texas A and M now I live in Ohio we live in Ohio but he went and visited Texas A and M and he came home and he said Dad I hated it. Because everybody says howdy down there. And he said, that's all you ever say. And I hate when you say it. <laughs> so, you'll have to ask him about that. And see if he, see if he, if he uses that term now uh, for hello. So <laughs> I bet he does. No, I will. Uh, certainly yeah. will, Craig. He loves it. He loves it. He said the Texans are so friendly. Um, he can't believe how welcoming they have all been to him. And the food. He's a, he's a big unit, Nick Constantino. Oh, so he, I, he loves all the different all the barbecue and that sort of thing there. Yeah, I bet. I bet. (laughs) So you've spent uh, more than a quarter of a century as a teacher. Now what, what age level do you teach? 
Yeah, currently I'm in uh, secondary, year seven. So that's okay. um, in in, in uh, Melbourne, Australia. That's what's uh, about 13, 14 year olds. Okay, okay, okay. So in, throughout your, and I'm going to, this is a very broad question here, but what's been the most rewarding thing from, that you've taken so far from your teaching career? Oh, just to see the kids fulfill their potentials, really. And I've been blessed. I, I had a, a dinner last night at um, at one of my uh, grade two students that I taught uh, seventeen years ago, mm -hmm. and um, and and to engage, and you'll be the same that to stay engaged with those kids and their families, and to see them develop. I mean, I was blessed to at Penley Nesson Grammar School, a leading private school here in Melbourne, to teach prep to six primary there for twenty two years, as well as coaching in the AGSV system from year seven to twelve. And now I'm blessed at Gilson College to be teaching secondary, maths, English, HPE, um, and being involved in their sport programs and outdoor education programs with year nines. Um, and it's like you see too. It's just the kids that have a real crack at, um, at, the, at doing their best and then fulfilling their potential uh, down the track and the changes they make from whether you're involved at the year seven or a prep level um, and staying in touch with them. I've, I've been blessed to stay in touch with a lot of the kids that I've taught and like Nick Constantino, his brother Greg's doing a PhD as well um, and support them. You know, you know, mm -hmm. it's like Craig, Absolutely. it's not just that one year. You right, get right. the connection with that one year. And if you can help them, um, and the reason I was at the, at the Valesi's last night for dinner was because I'd helped Gabriel I taught in year two and his sister Serena, she was a, a great soccer player, played in the college system, got a scholarship and has come back to be a teacher and I was okay. able to support her, finish her teaching rounds and then uh, help her to uh, gain employment at Penley Nesson Grammar School and uh, to have, that's the best thing about teaching, having that opportunity to uh, support uh, kids uh, at that year level and educate them and hopefully inspire them to, uh, to do things that I've been lucky enough to do across my, uh, right, my right. career in teaching and obviously in sport as well. So you spent the last, I think it was about a week and a half uh, out here in the States, we would call it going walkabout, but that's probably not the right term to use. You were, <laughs> you were in the, I, I'm going to try to get the pronunciation correctly here. The, the Bogong High Plains. Is that, is that correct? <laughs> yeah, you that's that, correct. You a, I just got a, there's a photo. Yeah, yeah. There's a photo of me I, there uh, sitting and uh, out looking the, the uh, and snow covered. We're, yeah. we're up in the mountain ranges of the highest point in Victoria. So let me ask you this question. Now, now that you, once you got back, what was the most sore, your feet or your back? <laughs> now, 100% the feet. The okay. Feet were very sore. I've got to, uh, I dropped four kilo, Craig, and I need to lose another six. So it was a great boot go. camp for me, I can tell there you. There you go. There you go. So And you had to carry, we carried, carried everything on our backs. And uh, uh, I had the, I had the most challenging group re-fitness level. And it's, it, again, it came back to remind me exactly of, uh, uh, the girls from AFL Pakistan. It, it doesn't matter about your fitness level. It's all up here. It all right, comes right. down to your resilience and your courage and your determination. And we had one little fella, Shrieker, that uh, really struggled fitness-wise. He had his short little legs. He wasn't super fit. But even if we we're going up a hill like this or going down one like that, he would not. Uh, he never stopped. He mm -hmm. always kept going, even if it was a snail's pace. And uh, you just had to continue to motivate. And you gain, you're, you're the same. 
how great is life that you get that yeah. opportunity to be with these kids and create these right, unbelievable right. memories and unbelievable experiences that uh, they wouldn't get without you and your input. Yeah, I, and it, you, you said you dropped four kilos. And I, I, this is not me bragging. This is just simply that I, I had a little bit of a health scare back in August. So since about the third week of August, I've dropped over 25 kilos since the third week of August. Yeah, no, so it's well. been, doing it has well. been, uh, I've made a significant culture shift in my life. So, uh, cause I'm, I think I'm a little older than you are, but, uh, so, um, yeah, I mentioned and you have to these days, Greg. I mean, yeah. especially, especially just jumping in there, especially with the coronavirus and, and my family, uh, we got it just recently and we're uh, pretty crook with it all. Yep. And my daughter's the fittest out of all of us. And she got like a headache for two hours. Mm -hmm. Whereas myself and my wife, I was crooked for about four days. The wife was crooked for a week. My youngest son was really crooked, nearly had to uh, go to hospital. And, and through that experience, it's, you're exact, it's a bad immune system, which you know, and that's common sense in life. But until right, it sort right. of hits you like that, you think, hang on a minute, we don't know what's out there. We want to live. I want to go live to 100. I just turned 50, so I'm only yeah. halfway. But to do that, you've really got to concentrate on being physically and mentally fit. And to do that, you like you've just done. You've got to really uh, concentrate on uh, what you're doing, how you're doing it, making sure you're exercising, eating healthy, using everything in life as a balance. I mean, we've had this virus. We don't know what the next virus will be if you are strong in yourself mentally and physically you can achieve anything i don't sleep much as you uh, might have worked out Craig. well i, I did see i can do all these things i did see this th this afternoon here because it's it's almost five o'clock in the afternoon here i did see that you you were on instagram at about four o'clock this morning your time so yeah you're right you don't sleep very much that's i i noticed that um so you know, I, I mentioned this to you before we uh, we started uh, recording tonight that, you know, as I was going through uh, your Instagram uh, photos on there and, and by by all means, I think, you know, you should take a look at, at Michael's uh, Instagram and, and follow him, you know, to see what he's doing with uh, Footies for All and, and that sort of thing. I asked him, I said, have you ever considered yourself to be what I what I saw as chronically happy? Because the, the grin on your face, and it was in like 99% of the photos, it was the exact same, the exact same smile. And, it, and it, it did not look like one of those smiles that was being faked. It looked like a genuine smile, like I'm happy to be where I am right now doing this. And, it, and, and maybe I'm reading that wrong, but I, I don't think that I am. 100% Craig, uh, okay. I've been blessed through my family, my parents to, uh, you've got to live life and you've got to live, you've got to, you know, I've got down minutes and seconds and, and days like anyone else, but you've got to pick yourself up and live life. And, mm -hmm. and the best way to live it is looking at everything in a positive. I'm always glass half full um, kind of guy. And again, you impress that on kids, you impress that on your family and the people you meet because life's so short. Um, and we don't know when it's going to end either. Can right, end today, right. I just, can end tomorrow, can end in year. Yeah, I just actually, I just saw, you know, in my local newspaper online that one of my classmates that uh, 50, uh, he was 58, just passed away a couple days ago. So just, uh, yeah, it's, so it, it, it can happen. And my my dad passed away when he was 59. So, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. I, you're right. Yeah. So now that that's been a bit of a downer there, um, <laughs> um I had, a, no, no, I had a, but that's why you live life, Craig. Right. That's why you got to live every minute. I, I, I had a, it's going to end. Gonna end. Yeah. yeah. 
I had a few just kind of general questions that I wanted to ask you before before we wrap up here. Uh, who has had the biggest impact on your life and career? Oh, that's a good question, Craig. No one's asked me that one before. Um, well, probably, uh, well, for the life, my parents, uh, my mum and dad, uh, amazing people. My mum was uh, always volunteering when I was growing up and was mm -hmm. involved with um, special needs. We had a special needs hospital up on the hill in Summary where we lived. And uh, I remember there was a strike and all the nurses and doc um, um, healthcare workers walked off the job. And these uh, special needs adults were in there by themselves and uh -huh. they, had no, they were struggling for food and everything else. So she took me up there with her um, and uh, I saw the, the volunteers. She was a probation, probation worker as well, so worked okay. with kids on the streets um, and really demonstrated to me that, um, that if you're lucky enough and you've got the time and the resources, you should put back into community. So... And my dad was a great supporter of that as well, of everything that she did. And um, yeah, 100% my mum and dad in relation to where I gained my sense of community and sense of uh, uh, giving back and volunteering. And probably in my education career, uh, two men, a man called Dean McCarter, the former principal where I used to work at Penley and Essen Grammar School, um, the junior school there, and his vice principal, Mr. Graham Sharman. And, uh, just taught me about the ethics of working hard. You're not going to be a success um, as a teacher. And then I worked out through them anywhere in life, unless you mm -hmm. work hard right, and you right. have a passion for what you're doing. If you don't right. have a passion for what you are doing, get out of that profession, find a Go new find, one find because you're not else. going to enjoy it. I haven't worked a day in my life, Craig. I haven't worked a day in my life because I <laughs> thoroughly enjoy going to work every single day Good and deal. being engaged in inspiration of uh, mentoring and educating kids. And there's no better job in the world than that either, I can tell you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, what sporting event do you wish you had seen in person? Oh, yeah. The, the, well, uh, I'm, uh, I've got to get to a Texas AM game. Um, okay. 110,000 at the college level. That's extraordinary. We get 110,000 at our AFL grand final. Like right, at right. a university level. That's ex And the most extraordinary thing, uh, Craig, at Texas AM and all the colleges, they're all the one team. You haven't got half and half. It's not 50,000 against right, 50,000. Right. There's 110,000 of the same team. So, mm -hmm. uh, I'm, uh, yeah, can't wait to get to Kyle Field one day. Uh, love to get to the um, English Premier League, like a Liverpool versus uh, Manchester United, or or uh, where the the singing and again the atmosphere and the passion right. would be. Yeah, those two, those two would be extraordinary. Uh, you can tell me. Uh, it seems I reckon that you're getting a better atmosphere at a college uh, football game in America than you do at NFL. You know, I I I think you might be right about that. I think because I, I think that, you know, you know, you have a lot of people who do a lot of uh, consumption of fermented beverages at, at professional sporting events, yeah. uh, which, you know, is not not necessarily the case uh, and in college as much. Um, yeah. And I, I don't go to too many games. I'd much rather watch on television, quite frankly, when I when I do watch and I don't watch. I mean, I haven't watched baseball in two years and I'm a huge baseball fan because, you know, I, I fell in love with footy about six years ago and this has become, you know, this has become kind of my, my world, you know, I'll yeah. watch the Browns play. I'll watch Ohio state play in the Naval Academy. But other than that, I'm watching footy. 
Yeah. So that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah. So when you finally sit down someday, and I hope you do this to write your autobiography, <laughs> what's the working title for that book going to be? What are you going to call it? Yeah, another great question, Craig. You're, uh, you're, uh, you're uh, making me think here. Um, oh, having a crack, living your best life, probably living your best life. I reckon that uh, that'd be a good one. Okay, I just I came up with one also that I jotted down here. Yeah, and it's, far a, it's, away. A, it's it's a pl- it's a play on your organization. Selfless for all. <laughs> yeah. oh, I. I Oh, uh, I only can do everything I do great through amazing support right, from, right. you know, I'm, I'm blessed with my wife, Amanda, and kids, Thomas, Lily, and Benjamin, and, you know, yeah, uh, you know, yeah, it's, uh, I, uh, like, team for all, team mm-hmm. for all, maybe. There you go, um, there you go. So, yeah, so, it's, you know yourself, you can only do extraordinary things if you've got extraordinary people with you, and that's a great point. I can't tell you how blessed I've been with the support everyone through footies for all uh, um, and across my education and obviously through my family. And yeah. uh, it's always a team effort, isn't it, Craig? You can't yes, do anything is. unless you've got this great team behind you. That's a, gr- that's a great point. Now, you know, you, you hear quite often, you know, people will ask, you know, what, what keeps you awake at night, which is a great question to ask, but I want to, I want to ask you this question instead. What helps you fall asleep quickly at night? What what sets you what sets you at ease when you go to bed and going, okay, that's that's all good. I don't have to worry about that. Yeah, well, uh, as you might imagine, when I do get to sleep, I have no trouble sleeping. That's for sure. Yeah, uh, only a few hours a night, as you said. That's true. Yes. Um, I just yeah, have, being healthy. To be honest, Craig. You, okay. Money doesn't matter. I mean, I've been to some of the richest places and richest uh, people on earth, and I've been to some of the poorest places and. Uh, I can tell you when we run programs in Fiji, I regularly I get over there every couple of years and go out to the islands and and wherever I go, I live with the locals. I don't go mm-hmm. to hotels. I okay. don't stay in the five star. I'll 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 be with the people, and that's where you gain the most opportunity to work with the people and learn about the people. And I, the villages in Fiji on a tiny island of Overlao on a tiny village called Vuma. Um, are the happiest kids I've ever seen. They have little electricity, little running water. Mm-hmm. Um, they live off the land. They get fresh fish and uh, taro and uh, cassava from the from their farms, and they're the happiest people you ever see. So, okay. um, and they're healthy. So, if you've got your health, that's what I sleep well at night. That my family are healthy, my friends are healthy, and um, we've got opportunities to give people um, sport um through footies for all and uh if if all those things are happening which i've been blessed to have throughout my life so far then uh, i'm sleeping well at night now how can people reach out to footies for all if they want to help and they want to contribute where can they go to do that yeah so we have footies for all uh on facebook um and obviously on instagram we lost our uh, website sponsor and haven't had an opportunity to get another one of them um and then um you know i'd love to i've got a dream craig and you'll be able to help me with this and i know if i when i get to visit texas am and have a chat with jimbo fisher um that to set up footies for all in america i know you're the american kids are exactly the same the aussie kids they love their sport and to run a program exact same program here using either afl nfl or basketball mm-hmm. to give kids opportunity run sporting clinics and then you got to deliver the ball. I, right, I use right. the analogy: every kid that engages in a sporting clinic, 
that is disadvantaged or low socioeconomic, they want to take the ball home. So Makes you run sense, the clinic, yes. it's like you give them the lick of the ice cream and at the end of the clinic, you, you, you take, take the, the ice cone. cream away. Yes, that's yeah, a good exactly point. Right. That's a great left- point. That's a great analogy. Um, yeah, and I, I know that uh, America would, would, you know, I'd set this program up and run programs, as you said, Africa, Fiji, Pakistan, New Zealand. I'll do it anywhere in the world that I okay. can where kids are disadvantaged and need sport to help them along. And I know it'll work fantastically in America. That's my end goal is to, uh, to uh, get over there to you and uh, give opportunities there. So just through Facebook, through Instagram, um, you know, I, I don't want money, to be honest, Craig. I just want people just to support and to go out and do their own thing. I mean, uh, the, the money takes care of itself. We, we, you know, we, we're lucky to bring in, you know, five or $10,000 a year, but uh, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. It's, uh, it's the opportunity to connect with like-minded people and to get out to those kids. I've been in the remote Aboriginal communities um, in Australia. I just lost you there. You just faded out there. Hopefully you'll come back in a second here. Okay, so you were saying that, uh, you know, you've had the opportunities to to go to visit places throughout the world, whether it be Pakistan, Fiji, your goals are trying to expand this to other parts of the world. Uh, you know, I, I think what you're doing is, is absolutely a noble thing. And that's, uh, you know, hopefully... You know, people will will support you, whether it is through volunteerism or whether it is, you know, through maybe sponsoring your website, something of that nature. Because I actually tried to go to your website today and it took me to like a betting page. So that was. Uh, um, yeah, we've been. Yeah, we got. Um, <laughs> yeah, they they stole our um, whatever it is. IP URL, address yeah. Or whatever. And yeah. Taken that over. So, yeah, that's. Uh, which is totally disappointing, but um, yeah, and I, I haven't got the time or the resources or the knowledge to uh, to change that, and uh, and I don't, you know, I haven't. Again, you control what you can control, Craig. Right, and, uh, right. Very little. If I'm spending time running around doing that sort of stuff, I'm not out there working with kids and uh, getting those clinics and getting the balls out there. So um, yeah, anyone that can help with that, that <laughs> I'd love to appreciate. I'd love to have their help with that, and love to have their help with the website um to get it out there but you know it hasn't slowed what like the difference having a website or not having a website hasn't slowed anything hasn't right? slowed it down yeah. at all okay well that's that's yeah. good that's that's yeah, a positive that that's the case then yeah uh yeah, so it shows what you're doing is the right thing too my my last question for you and i'm going to give you five words you get five words here how would your friends describe michael gallus uh, probably crazy would be the first thing. <laughs> totally crazy. Okay. Uh, very, uh, very passionate. Uh, very, uh, very giving. Um, um, always there for people as well, no matter no matter what. Um, and um, sleepless. <laughs> there you go. Yes. So, are you a uh, are you a coffee person? Uh, not really. No. Okay. Just living on life, living on life. There you go. There you go. That's the see. That's you get, you have the natural adrenaline then. Okay. I'm, uh, well, I've transitioned over to water here, but this is typically coffee. Uh, Not good for you, Craig. Coffee, not good for you. I know. I know. But it's, uh, (laughs) it's, uh, I don't have, I don't have an IV of it hooked up to my arm or anything else. So that's a good (laughs) thing. So is is there anything that, that we did not address that, uh, while I have you here? Um, 
because you know I I we we touched on you know your involvement with your organization footies footies for all as well as you know your involvement with the Pakistani uh footy organizations you know we we've we've touched on everything here and I think we've we've addressed everything that that I was able to to find and uncover here but I just I just want to I want to reiterate when I when I said I think you were a renaissance man as far as this sort of thing goes I meant that that was not that was not a platitude that was not a let's try to just catch somebody to listen to the show I truly mean that based upon the stuff that that you've shared with me and that I saw about you I it's I'm thrilled to have been able to sit down and talk with you today and it's been it's been very rewarding on my end no, it's been a, it's been an absolute privilege, Craig. And uh, as you might imagine, I've been interviewed all across the world and around Australia over the last uh, ten years. And I can honestly say it's been an absolute privilege speaking with you. And uh, thank you. Most people that not most, I'd say half the people that interview me do no research whatsoever and uh, have no idea what's going on. And uh, the amount of research and time you put into my interview, and I'm sure all your interviews. Uh, really makes it worthwhile for the people listening because they gain a really good understanding of the person. And and uh, oh, I can't thank you enough for uh, allowing me this opportunity to talk to uh, all your viewers across America. And I cannot wait to get to uh, Texas AM is my uh, point to go to in America. And, there you uh, go. And, and, and I hear so many great stories about Americans and I can't wait to... Um, engage in your culture and uh with everyone over there and uh really thank you someday i'm making the trip there yeah and vice versa yeah anyone wants to come to australia melbourne you know look me up i'm more than happy to uh give you (laughs) put a shrimp on the barbie for you and uh, take you to an afl game at the mcg and uh, and uh, show you some kangaroos and koalas just watch out for the bunyips and drop bears but uh the kangaroos (laughs) they're they're drop bears again yes i'll tell you what i I will only go to an AFL game with you if it's a Richmond game being played at Marvel Stadium. Because I know <laughs> I know how much the Richmond supporters love having to make that six-kilometer trek over to, to over to Marvel Stadium. It's it's you like are, cutting cutting through the jungle to get there. Yes. Uh, you were well you were well versed, Craig. You were well versed. You were, not many people out of Australia know that one. You're right. <laughs> yeah. So uh ladies and gentlemen, my guest has been Michael. Michael Gallus and Michael, thanks so much for taking time out of your Sunday morning. I truly appreciate it. And, you know, folks check him out over on Facebook at footies for all also on his Instagram page. It is his name, Michael Gallus. I'll put a link there for that. I'm also Uh, going to link the Facebook page in the show notes as well. Have a fantastic, fantastic Sunday, sir. And have a great holiday season. Thank you very much. You too, Craig. And uh, to all your listeners too, just, Get out there, live your best life, have a crack. If you're not happy where you are, well, change that. Change the narrative. It all comes down to you. Go half class full on everything and really enjoy the opportunity to be alive because we only get to do it once, so make sure it uh, make sure it counts. There you go. There you go. That's a fantastic way to end this. Thanks so much, man. A huge thanks to Michael Gallus for coming on the podcast. I had an absolutely wonderful time talking with him. And, and I hope that we can continue to stay in touch and chat with one another from time to time. If you want to help out Footies for All, you can reach out to Michael on his socials, and I'll have a link for those on the uh, in the show notes so you can check that out. And he can guide you in the right direction for doing that. So I can honestly say that the world is a much, much better place with people like Michael Gallus in it. And Michael, thanks for all you do, and thanks for giving me an hour of your time last week 
it was an absolute pleasure speaking with you. And as I said, I hope we're able to keep in touch because I, I think you are a, an absolutely wonderful human being. Ladies and gentlemen, don't forget that you can find everything that's related to the podcast at my new website, ayankonthefooty.com. I hope that you'll consider checking it out. You can leave me a voicemail there. You can share your views on an issue through a voicemail or through a question that you might want to ask me. You can also sign up for the mailing list there as well. Now, if you'd like to help out the show, you can uh, check out the Buy Me a Coffee page. It's a little yellow button in the bottom left-hand corner of my website. You can click on that if you want to help out the show. You don't have to do that, but if you choose to do so, that would be greatly appreciated. And uh, if you're interested in, in any of the gear that I have for the podcast, you can head over to my Redbubble page. They are just flying out the st- flying off the shelves here and flying out the door. I believe that I actually managed to bring in $2 through Redbubble last year. So, or this year, I should say. Maybe it's time for some new designs. Uh, <laughs> I've got some great ideas. I just have not figured out how to get them created as of yet because I don't have that type of an artistic skill. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you're uh, interested in coming onto the podcast and talking about your club's offseason, and we're kind of at the point in time where we're going to be looking at the men's comp because in the last few episodes I've been reaching out, trying to talk with individuals, or trying to reach out to individuals as far as talking about the, the women's comp, uh, which is starting here in less than a month. And the interest in that has been not as robust as I was hoping. So I will be coming out with my own AFLW preview show here in the next couple of weeks. I have a couple of interviews set up for next weekend. I actually have 16 days off from work starting next Saturday. So I hope to be getting a lot done with the podcast as well as getting my basement cleaned out. And now since I put that out there for the world to hear, my wife's going to be able to hold me accountable on that. But again, if you're interested in coming in to talk about your club, one of the 18 in the men's competition, head over to my website and click on the register as the guest button at the top of the page and provide me your information. I've got about four or five people who have already reached out. I will be setting up times to meet with them hopefully in the coming week, week and a half here, and get those set up. Now, since you've listened to the show, I hope you'll consider heading over to Apple Podcasts and leaving me a, uh, a review. It'd be great if it was a five-star review. I, I ask every week, and, uh, well, suffice to say there's not been a, uh, a huge influx of those. I haven't had a review for the show since May, which again, I'm not complaining about it. It's just, it's just been kind of funny because every day I'll go and I'll look to see if any new ones have come in. And I, uh, it, it reminds me of an old uh, country song here, uh, called ships that don't come in, uh, by a singer that passed away due to COVID by the name of Joe Diffie. Very sad song, but just, you know, very poignant. So again, I'm, I sound like I'm groveling and that's not my intent there. But if you want to help out the show and leave a review, it'd be greatly appreciated. If you want to reach me, you can reach me at uh, a yank on the footy at gmail.com as well as on Twitter at yank underscore on and at a yank on the footy on Instagram and on Facebook. Hopefully you'll follow me on the socials and reach out there. I'm on those all the time. Love to engage with listeners. And if you would, if you haven't done so yet, if you'll consider possibly sharing this episode if you enjoyed this one or your favorite episode with your friends and family word of mouth is a great way to help get the uh 
the message of the show out there to more people. So if you're interested in doing that, that would be truly appreciated. And again, ladies and gentlemen, the seasons, and I said seasons, are almost upon us. We're just a few weeks from the women's comp starting. I'm very excited about that. And the men's comp is just a few months away from getting going as well. And we're excited about that as well. So it's it's almost footy time. I know that the uh, the ashes have been going on. And I, I'm not able to follow that here other than seeing what some of the people post on social media. But I really don't know how scoring works for cricket. So it sounds like Australia is doing fairly well, however. But folks, I do appreciate you listening. And... As always, it's how I close out every week. May your dribble kick never hit the post. I will catch you later. This has been episode 116 of A Yank on the Footy, my discussion with Michael Gallus. Don't forget that you can reach me at yank underscore on or at a yank on the footy at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram and on Facebook at a yank on the footy. And if you want to check out the podcast over on my, my YouTube channel, you can search my name, Craig Wessels, and you'll find some of the recent episodes there. I'm starting to fill in the back catalog as well. Ladies and gents, just another couple of weeks until Christmas. Stay safe, stay happy. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful week. And please consider sharing the show with your friends and family. And until next time, goodbye.